0: All right, let's bring in our buddy, former Congressman Lee Zeldin. Uh, He almost took down the ineffectual void where a governor should be, Kathy Hochul. Didn't quite make it, but we supported him, and uh, we think he's great. Hey, welcome, uh, Lee Zeldin, to our show. Hey,
1: Lee. Good morning. It's good to be back. All right.
0: So, uh, Lee – Oh, 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 let me ask you. Um, I'm a Ron DeSantis guy coming up in the – I'm a Republican, and I'm supporting Ron DeSantis. Do you think he has a chance to pick off Donald Trump, or is Trump still the guy who can just stomp everybody away?
1: So the first question is whether or not he actually gets in the race. Let's say he does. Uh, the yeah. the interesting dynamic here is uh, the more these other uh, potential candidates actually take the plunge and get in the race – the more it helps Donald Trump. So if it's a, you know, Donald Trump versus Ron DeSantis head to head battle, which it won't be, uh, that would favor Ron DeSantis the most because he could consolidate all that other vote. Nikki Haley has gotten into the race. We've heard Tim Scott's name, Mike Pence, Mike Pompeo. The list goes on of all these other people who might get in the race. I would argue that a Nikki Haley candidacy pulls more votes from a Ron DeSantis than it does a Donald Trump. So we have to see what the field looks like. I served with Ron. Uh, He's a friend. He's a great governor. He'd be an excellent uh, candidate. Uh, I think he's doing a great job down in Florida. We'll see whether or not he actually gets in the race. Uh, We'll also have to see what the field looks like and what kind of a campaign he runs. But I think he's an extremely formidable candidate.
0: Well, but just to push this a little further, Lee, um, yeah, Nikki Haley will be there and Pompeo, but they're going to be cast by the wayside sooner or later. It is going to come down to DeSantis and Trump. I mean, trust me, it's that's what's going to happen.
1: Yeah. So the you know the the next point there is the way that Donald Trump campaigns. Uh, he goes after you hard. Uh, you know, in, in the military, I guess the comparison would be the rule of fire supremacy. Every time somebody fires one bullet at you, you fire three back. Uh, so DeSantis is, if he gets in the race, he's going to have to be prepared for a tremendous, possibly overwhelming amount of incoming from Trump and his supporters out of the gate. If he can get through, uh, that initial, Bombardment. Uh, If he's able to hold his own exceptionally on the on the debate stage, he's able to run a really good campaign. Uh, He is absolutely a you know top of tier one candidate. Uh, You know uh, whether it's you know twenty twenty four or some other time. But I think when you know somebody like Ron DeSantis, you know, looks at a Chris Christie passing up you know, a, a race and then waiting four more years. The timing is a lot in politics. Sometimes it's better to be lucky than good. Uh, and this might be his moment to take the shot. We'll see. Hey, Lee, you were down at CPAC. I mean, is is uh, it was obviously very pro-Trump. Uh, DeSantis did not put in an appearance. Uh, what was your general takeaway from CPAC? Is this Trump's world, Trump's party? Uh, well, CPAC is definitely very strongly a pro-Trump crowd. It is uh, an organization that has been around a lot longer than Trump has been, and depending on how you know CPAC navigates the years ahead, uh, will determine how much longer it would be around after. Uh, President Trump is no longer uh, actively engaged in politics. But for now, 2023, CPAC, Washington, D.C., that was definitely a very much a pro-Trump crowd.
0: Hey, Lee, what do you make of this um, lawsuit with Fox and Dominion? And listen, Dominion's got Fox over a barrel here. I mean, when you've got text messages saying, we don't believe this, but we're going to say it on the air, that sounds to me that you can prove malice and Dominion can win a big settlement from Fox.
1: You know, I so I I have not been following that one. I have to admit, close enough. Uh, obviously, it's a you know it's a big, serious uh, lawsuit that is going on. Uh, I, I've seen some of the stories, some of the the headlines, but uh, you know, as far as. Uh, you know, analyzing—I've been an attorney now for 19 years. Analyzing that case on the merits, you know, I, I haven't read uh, the complaint and kept uh, kept up with it close enough to uh, to be able to handicap it enough. As, as it relates to uh, these elections, uh, you know, it, it's important to uh, this is something that I, I felt strongly right after the November 2020 election. There were. Complaints getting put out there on social media and otherwise that were true. There are others that weren't true, and everything just kind of got meshed into one. And a verified um, concern is very different than one that is fictitious. Uh, right now, actually, by the way, HBO2 is playing uh, Catch Me If You Can. uh kind of reminds me of... Uh, the real life saga that's playing out in New York 3 right now with uh with the new congressman George Santos. Yeah. The sure. the uh w- when you get past one of these elections whether your candidate comes in first or second as far as establishing trust in the process, uniting after an election, you you might have a an extremely valid concern if something went wrong. May, you know, maybe on election day, uh, you had a whole bunch of people in, your, in the most Republican area, let's say, of your state or, your, or of your district, and the voting booths went down, and people weren't able to cast their vote, or they are voting by affidavit. They don't know if their vote counted. Some people who finish in first are inclined to say, well, you just need to suck it up. I don't want to hear your question. You don't deserve an answer. You lost. Go away. Concede. And that actually erodes the process more. So I do have a, a certain amount of sensitivity here for uh that 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 candidate that campaign the voters where they come in second hey and they might actually have a valid question uh that shouldn't just be refuted. Unfortunately after 2020 hey. everything got meshed together. Haley, unfortunately we only have about a minute left. I wanted to, yes, sir. You, you delivered a message to CPAC about a red wave that never happened. You had some advice for Republicans. Can you share it with us and we're limited on time. Yeah, absolutely. Uh yeah, There was no national red wave. There should have been. Fortunately, we we did uh, see a red wave in certain places like New York. I believe that a red wave is created not by articulating what you are against, Joe Biden bad, Democratic Party bad. A wave is created based off of you articulating what you stand for, what voters are getting from you if they're putting a Republican in charge. I could think of a hundred different reasons why there could have been a national red wave and there wasn't. But if there was one for the top of the list, I would say that the Republican Party needs to do a much better job exceptionally articulating what we stand for and not just what we're against.
0: All right. All right. Former Congressman Lee Zeldin. Thanks, Lee. Take care. We'll talk Thanks, to you soon. Lee. See you guys. Bye-bye. All right.
1: Take care. Bye-bye. Okay.
0: Coming up next, our pal Sarah Isger, the ABC News political contributor. She's going to be with us. Uh, what, let's get her take, Len, on where the Republican primary could go. Interesting stuff from Sarah coming up
1: next. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino.